Innalladina indeed those people who Yaguduna they lower Aswatahum their voices Yaguduna Gaindad Radda which is to lower one's voice or lower one's eyes. Remember Ghaddul Basar? Right? Who could forget that? Ghaddul Basar. To lower the gaze. Lowering the gaze. So Innalladina Yaguduna Aswatahum Aswat plural of Saud those people who lower their voices in the Rasulillah near the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah says, Ulaika. It is those people who Alladina are the ones who Imtahanallahu. Allah has tested Qulubahum their hearts. Littaqwa for taqwa. Those people who show respect, Allah says that Allah has tested their hearts for taqwa. What does imtahana mean? Imtahana, mim hanun, is to put something to test in order to know its true ability. Basically, the word is used for stretching a piece of leather. Why would you stretch it to see how far it can go? How much you can stretch? How much you can expand? How much area will it cover? Right? This is the purpose. To know the true ability and potential of something. So, Imtahana, Allah has tested their hearts. And so, through the test, He has purified their hearts. And He has found taqwa in their hearts. So, imtahana, He tested, He examined. And what did He find in their hearts? Taqwa. In other words, those who show respect, their respect is proof of taqwa in their hearts. Because where is taqwa? At-taqwa? At-taqwa? Ha-huna. It is here, in the heart. Now how do you know taqwa is in the heart? How do you know? What does Allah say? The proof of taqwa in the heart is غَضُّ sawt Lowering the voice in the presence of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The person who respects the Prophet ﷺ, then it shows that that person has taqwa in their heart. And the one who does not show respect to the Prophet ﷺ, then their disrespect is proof of what? Of lack of taqwa. We all claim to have taqwa. We all wish to have taqwa. How to check? How to measure? How to measure whether or not we have taqwa in our hearts? How? How do you do that? What's the proof of that? Check your behavior. Check your conduct. Check your manners. It is our manners, it is our dealings with others that show what is really in our hearts. And this is not rocket science. I mean, if you have disgust for somebody in your heart, what's going to happen? That disgust is going to be visible the moment they come in front of you. If you have love for somebody in your heart, that love is going to be obvious the moment that person is mentioned. Isn't it? The happiness, the expressions on our faces, our body language, it shows what is really in the heart. Now we all claim to have taqwa. But what is the proof of taqwa? It is our actions. It is our dealings. It is our conduct. What does this ayah show to us? That there will be tests of our character. And the passing of tests is in our actions. Actions demonstrate the state of our heart. Actions demonstrate iman. And the lack of proper action demonstrates the lack of iman. 
So if you want to see where your iman is, what the state of your heart is, how much you really fear God, check your external. Because sometimes we dismiss the external action saying, all that matters is the state of the heart. You know, I am clean in my heart. My heart is very clean. Really? That's why you're angry the moment you see that person? Because your heart is very pure and clean? We lie to ourselves a lot. So much we deceive ourselves. We're so dishonest with ourselves. We claim to have purity in our hearts. We don't have that purity. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَغُضُّونَ أَصْوَاتَهُمْ Those who lower their voices in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ, yes, it is those who have taqwa in their hearts. Their lowering of the voice is proof that their hearts have taqwa. لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ For them is forgiveness and a great reward. These verses, again and again, what are they emphasizing? Respecting Allah and His Messenger. Isn't it? And by extension, what does that teach us? That we must show respect to those who deserve it. But sometimes what happens is that in the name of frankness, in the name of friendship, we forget appropriate etiquette. We forget appropriate adab. Remember that adab is a major part of our religion. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu had a small argument in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ. Voices were raised and so these verses were revealed. If this is the case with Raising one's voice. What do you think about preferring one's own opinion over the command of Allah and His Messenger? If we're not allowed to raise our voices in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ, be loud in front of him, then how on earth can we prefer our own opinion over his command? You understand? That's not acceptable either. Remember, respect is outward and inward. It is outward, it is displayed through one's speech, through one's manner, and it is also inward. And we cannot fake it unless and until it is in the heart. If there is adab in the heart, if there is love and reverence in the heart, then it will naturally translate into our actions, into our body language. And if that love and reverence and respect is void, is not there in the heart, then we cannot pretend, we cannot fake it. Maybe we can for a few moments, but very soon it will go away. In Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 37, Allah says, لَن يَنَالَ اللَّهُ لُحُومُهَا وَلَا دِمَاؤُهَا وَلَكِنْ يَنَالُهُ التَّقْوَى مِنْكُمْ What reaches Allah is your taqwa. What Allah likes to see is your taqwa. How God conscious are you in your dealings with others? So respect Allah, respect His Messenger ﷺ. And by extension, respect those who deserve to be respected. And who are they? Those who are greater in terms of status, in terms of knowledge, in terms of their age, right? in terms of their position, in terms of their relationship. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a person preference over us in any way, then that means we have to accept it. And then we have to show the appropriate respect. And if we don't accept it, we don't show that appropriate respect, who are we harming? Ourselves. And one of the things that's being highlighted over here is watching our voice, our volume. More than the words even, the volume. 
because yaghuduna aswatahum right check how loud you are how soft you are in the way that you deal with people when it comes to parents what does allah say la taqul lahuma uffin don't even say uff to them show respect the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that inna min ijlalillahi that part of glorifying allah part of glorifying allah is ikrama dishaybatil muslimi is showing honor to a white-haired muslim who is the white-haired muslim an old person an aged man or woman who is a muslim if you want to show respect to allah and we all want to right we all claim to love and respect allah part of showing respect to allah is showing respect to his aged servants those who have lived lives of 60 70 80 90 years and in that life they've been praying salah that's a big deal they've been giving their zakat they have been making dua to allah even if they're not super righteous they've been doing the bare minimum that is sufficient for us to respect them they believe in allah it's enough for us to respect them to show respect to them ikrama dishaybatil muslimi wa hamilil quran and also showing respect to the carrier of the quran and also the hadith continues wa ikrama dis-sultanil muqsid and also showing honor to a just ruler so if we claim to have adab to have respect for allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam let us see how we deal with these people the elderly the person who's memorized the quran carrier of the quran and also a just ruler we see that the sahaba they understood this so well you see when you have love for your parents okay then you love them and you also love their friends right and this is why part of birrul walidain is to also be good to their friends all right the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam loved khadija radhiyallahu anha and even after khadija radhiyallahu anha passed away what would he do honor her friends right so what did the sahaba do the sahaba we learned that abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu after the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had passed away Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu said to Umar radhiyallahu anhu let us go and visit Um Ayman Who was Um Ayman She was a lady who took care of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was an orphan right She was basically the slave of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's father all right and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam technically inherited her because that is what happens to slaves they are supposed to be inherited however the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam set her free all right Anyway Um Ayman she did hijra she embraced islam and she was a woman whom the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam greatly respected and abu bakr said to umar let us go and visit um ayman just as we used to visit her with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that yes now he's no longer here but if he were alive he would have gone to visit um ayman so now let's go visit um ayman so abu bakr and umar both went to visit um ayman today what would happen oh non mahram haram don't even talk to her don't even acknowledge her existence they two men are going to visit a lady 
Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ used to visit her. He had respect for her. She took care of him. She loved him and he loved her. The Prophet ﷺ is gone. But because they loved Rasulullah ﷺ, they loved Umm Ayman. They went to visit her. And when they went to visit her, after some time, she started crying. They asked her that, why are you crying? And she said that, I'm not crying because the Prophet ﷺ has passed away because what Allah has given him now is better than what he was in before. Meaning, وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى He's in a better state. I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because wahi has now ceased. No more revelation is going to come. And upon this, Abu Bakr and Umar who both began crying. Why did they go? This was respecting Umm Ayman. Why? Out of respect for the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So respect those who deserve to be respected. And who are they? Who are they? Those whom Allah has given some preference to over us in any way. Whether it is through ilm, age, relationship, whatever it may be. Another thing we see in these verses is the prohibition of being loud. Right? Of course, there are situations in which being loud is necessary. Like if a person is giving adhan, he's not going to say, oh, I have to be soft. No, he has to raise his voice. A person is giving khutbah. It's a very important matter. He's raising his voice to show how important the subject is. That is appropriate. But raising voice, raising one's voice all the time or unnecessarily in situations that where it is not appropriate, this is something that contradicts noble character. We see that Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, I never saw the Prophet sallallahu laughing to an extent that one could see his palate. But he always used to smile. Meaning he never laughed so loudly that his whole mouth is open and you could see his back teeth and you could see his, you know, the back of his mouth. No. He wasn't even loud in his laughter. Then we see that one of the qualities of the Prophet ﷺ that is mentioned in the Torah is that he does not shout nor scream in the marketplace. It is said, "Anta abdi wa rasuli, sammaytuka al-mutawakkil, laysa bifadlin, wala ghalidin, wala sakhabin bil aswaq." You're neither hard-hearted nor a fierce character, nor one who shouts in the markets. He was someone who spoke softly. We see that when these verses were revealed, the Sahaba took this so seriously. Abu Bakr anhu he said that I will only speak to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, as a friend who whispers a secret with his friend. Meaning only, he'll be able to hear me when I'm standing next to him. Umar anhu, his voice was so low after this that the Prophet وسلم, would have to ask him to repeat what he had said in order to understand what Umar had said. We see another companion, Thabit ibn Qais. When he heard this verse, he was so afraid. He went home and he told his wife, lock the door, meaning lock me up, imprison me in this house, because basically I am done. An evil matter has happened and I am ruined. Allah has said, أَن تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ And that is what has happened to me. Because Thabit, radiallahu anhu, he was naturally a very loud person. His voice was just loud. That's just how it was. So he was afraid. So when the Prophet ﷺ realized that 
Sabbath had not been coming to the masjid, he inquired about him. And he was told that this is what has happened and Sabbath thinks that he is of the people of hell. And the Prophet ﷺ said, go back to him and tell him that he is not from the people of the fire, rather he is from the people of Jannah. Because his voice was loud, not out of disrespect. You understand? It was loud because it was just naturally loud. Then what is it that matters? More than our external behavior, what is it that matters? The state of our heart. That matters a lot. But that doesn't mean that we ignore the external part. We watch that also. We're careful about that. But what is most essential is that we correct the state of our hearts. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ Indeed those people who يُنَادُونَكَ They call you مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْحُجُرَاتِ From behind the chambers, from behind the houses. أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ Most of them don't use reason. يُنَادُونَكَ nida nida To call out to someone loudly. Alright? مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْحُجُرَاتِ Hujurat is the plural of the word hujra. And what is hujra? Hujra from hajar. Hajar is rock or stone. And hujra is basically a piece of land that is yuhjaru alayhi, meaning on which a wall is made. So basically it's walled. Alright? So bricks are laid, or rocks are placed one layer over another. Why? In order to, in order to make walls. So hujra is a room, an apartment. It's not a mansion, it's not a big house. It's not a fancy villa. What is it? It's just a piece of land on which walls are made for the purpose of privacy. Alright? This is hujra. And what does the hujrat refer to? The rooms of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. Each wife of the Prophet ﷺ had her own hujra. Alright? We learned that the Prophet ﷺ's hujrat, the hujrat of his wives, they were right next to the masjid. Alright, they were right next to the masjid. And there was a companion, Haritha ibn Nu'man, radiallahu anhu. And he basically owned the property that was right next to the masjid. Alright? So of course, when you have the property right next to the masjid, where do you think you're gonna live? Right next to the masjid. So basically he was a neighbor of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Alright? However, and Allah had blessed him with a lot of wealth, in the book Seer Alamun Nubala, it is mentioned that every time the Prophet ﷺ married a new wife, what would happen is that Haritha bin Nu'man, he would give his house to the Prophet ﷺ and move next door. And this happened not just once, but many times. Alright? So each hujra was basically gifted by who? Haritha ibn Nu'man radiallahu anhu. Alright? And it is said that he would quietly take care of the Prophet ﷺ's needs. He wouldn't even tell anybody about it, just very quietly. And so many times it's happened that he offered his house, the small house, the small piece of land, all right, the small room, that the Prophet ﷺ said, and this is mentioned in Seer Alam al-Nubala, that لَقَدْ اسْتَحْيَيْتُ مِنْ حَارِثَةَ مِمَّا يَتَحَوَّلُ لَنَا عَنْ مَنَازِلِهِ I am embarrassed of Haritha. So many times he's moved, he's relocated because of me. So these hujurat that were right next to the masjid, alright, and each hujurat belonged to a wife of the Prophet ﷺ. Allah says, those people who call you from outside of the hujurat, most of them don't use reason. What is this referring to? Remember, year of delegations. 
Earlier what had happened? The Banu Tamim, their leader was to be appointed. A small argument broke out between Abu Bakr and Umar. Now again something happened because of Banu Tamim. Alright? Banu Tamim people, when they arrived in Medina, their leader, Aqra bin Habis, he was looking for the Prophet wasallam. So naturally he went to the masjid, they didn't find him. It was a time of afternoon nap. So he realized the Prophet wasallam must be in one of his houses. Now which house is it? He didn't know. So he said, you know what? Let me go and call him. So he stood outside the hujurat and he started calling out, Ya Muhammad, ukhruj alayna. Oh Muhammad, come out. We're here. We're here. Come out. And he started calling out. Can you imagine? Everybody's supposed to be resting at that time. So not only was his address very disrespectful, he was disturbing everybody's sleep. Alright? And you can imagine, very irritating, right? You're sleeping and somebody's calling you in such a rude manner and so loudly, you naturally get offended. Isn't it? Allah comforts His Messenger wasallam. People who do this, أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ Most of them don't even use reason. Because this tribe was a Bedouin tribe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforts His Messenger. Don't get too bothered by their behavior. It's just that they don't get it. They don't understand. And if you think about it, Banu Tamim, their leader, is getting it very easy here. Look at what happened to Abu Bakr and Umar anhu. They raised their voices and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala got upset and he revealed these verses and warned them, threatened them, your deeds could be wasted. And here is Aqrar, he's calling the Prophet ﷺ in such a disrespectful way and Allah says, take it easy. Why? Because what Abu Bakr and Umar knew, this man did not know. What was expected of Abu Bakr and Umar, yes, it was not expected from this man. وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ صَبَرُوا Allah says, and if they had been patient, حَتَّى تَخْرُجَ إِلَيْهِمْ Until you came out to them. Meaning instead of calling you, these people should have waited outside for you to come out on your own. لَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ Surely that would have been better for them. وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ And Allah is forgiving and merciful. He's letting this go. Why? Because these people did not know any better. But those who know... People like Abu Bakr and Umar. Those people who know that more is expected of them. What do we learn from these verses? That part of Islamic adab is to address others respectfully. These people shouted out. So we must not shout in order to get someone's attention. Remember loudness in speech is compared to the braying of a donkey. Isn't it? The Prophet ﷺ said, The mu'min is not ta'an, la'an, fahish al-badi. The believer is not obscene in his language. And part of being obscene in one's language is being too loud, shouting. Another thing we see over here is that it is not appropriate to visit others at a time when they are occupied with something else. You see, the Prophet ﷺ was resting. It was a time of qaylula. It's understood though, everybody rests at that time. Right? So at a time like this, going outside his house, and then calling out to him so loudly, insisting that he should come out, this is not respectful. We have to respect other people's schedules, their times of privacy, the work that they're engaged in, and not insist that they suit our schedule. Rather, if we want something from someone, then we have to adjust our schedule. Isn't it? Sometimes what happens is that we go somewhere and we want to speak to somebody and we insist that they speak to us right now at this time. 
We want somebody to come for a talk, for a lecture, and we insist that they come only at that time. We don't care about what's happening in your life. You have an exam, you have work, you have family obligations. I don't care. I want you here at this time. This is not appropriate. We have to respect other people's time. Especially people who are in a position of authority or people who are serving the public. Respect their time, respect their schedule, and not insist every time that they suit our schedules. Rather, we have to adjust our schedule in order to accommodate them. Right? And then, of course, over here, Allah says, لَكَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ If they had waited, that would have been better. And we see this in the companions. Younger companions. When the Prophet ﷺ passed away, these companions, the younger ones, they would go out to the older companions in order to learn from them. So we see, for example, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He was a relative of the Prophet ﷺ, wasn't he? If he would have a question, if he wanted to ask a companion, an older companion about something, he wouldn't even go and knock on his door. What would he do? He would go to his door and sit outside. Sit outside. Thinking that when he will come out, I will ask him the question. Even if that meant he had to wait for an hour, two hours, three hours, maybe the whole day. Allahu A'lam. He didn't even go and knock. He just waited outside. Because the seeker must be patient. If something really matters to us, then we must be patient. We must patiently take it. And we must not insist that other people give it to us. I mean, think about it. In university, when you have a question to ask your professor, can you just go at any time and ask the professor? What do you do? Are there certain times that are scheduled for you to come and ask your questions? There are, right? And if you go before that or after that, will that be accommodated? Can you say that, no, I am misimportant, so you have to cater to me? No, you can't do that. Who's more important here? Whose time has to be respected? The giver. And that's the professor. You are the seeker. So again and again in these verses, what is being emphasized? Realize that the Messenger wasallam is here, and you are here. His position is greater than yours. Accept it, acknowledge it, and deal with him appropriately. In the following verses, another very important command is being given. Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O you who have believed, in ja'akum, if he came to you, meaning if someone were to come to you, and this someone, this person happens to be a fasiqun, a sinful, a disobedient person. Fasiq is a person who commits fisq. And what is fisq? To basically cross the limits. When you think of the word fisq, think of an overripe fruit, an overripe date, especially, or a seed. What happens to it? When it sprouts or when it becomes overripe, then it comes out of its skin. Right? The skin kind of bursts. And the flesh, it comes out. This is fasaqa. To come out of the limit, the cover that has been set. So, in ja'akum fasiqun, if a fasiq comes to you, meaning a person who is known for committing certain sins. So in other words, they don't really have a good reputation. The fact is that no person is free of sin. Isn't it? Who can claim to be perfect? No one can. In fact, the person who's claiming to be perfect, free of sin, is right there committing a sin. Because Allah says, لَا تُزَكُّ أَنفُسَكُمْ So he's disobeying Allah right there. 
So the fact is that no person is free of sin. However, within a community, people have their reputations. Right? Someone is a credible source, they are known for their honesty, they are known for their commitment. And there is another person who is known to have lied once or twice before. There is another person who is known to not have been truthful to their promises or their commitments. So if a fasiq comes to you, meaning a person who doesn't really have a good reputation, they are untrustworthy, they are not reliable. And they bring you in. They come to you with some news. Naba. What is naba? Important, relevant, major news or information that directly affects you. So they bring you a piece of information that is relevant to you, which means that you must take action. You must believe in it or you must take action. But should you accept it and should you take action immediately? No, you shouldn't. Before you take action, what should you do? فَتَبَيَّنُوا Then investigate. تَبَيَّنُوا from تَبَيُّن تَبَيُّن is to seek clarity. To investigate, to research in order to seek clarity. So ascertain, meaning find out and verify whether this news that was given to you was even true. فَتَبَيَّنُوا Why should you clarify? Why should you investigate? Why should you research? Because if you take action and let's say that information was false, then will you have regrets later on? Of course you will. And tusibu lest you harm, you reach. Tusibu isaba is to reach, and over here it means you strike or you hit or you harm. Qawman a people bi jahalatin out of ignorance. Because this person came and told you that this group of people were doing something against you, you accepted his word and you took action against those people. And what happened? You hurt them out of what? Out of ignorance. They weren't doing anything wrong to you. This was misinformation and you acted on that misinformation. And you harmed another people out of ignorance. But because of this, what would happen? فَتُصْبِحُوا Then you would become عَلَىٰ upon مَا فَعَلْتُمْ You did نَادِمِينَ Regretful, Plural of the word nadim, one who is regretful, meaning you would feel horrible afterwards. You would have so much regret. Isn't this something that we've experienced in our lives? Hmm? That somebody came and gave us some information, we misunderstood it, or they gave us false information, we got extremely emotional and angry, and we took action, and later on we found out that it wasn't even true. So who's sitting embarrassed at the end? We are. So save yourself the embarrassment and save yourself the regret, O you who believe, and investigate before you take any action. Now there is a particular background to this verse, meaning why this verse was revealed. There is an incident that is reported in Musnad Ahmad, and Shaykh Al-Bani mentions it in his book, As-Siltiratul Sahiha. Basically I'm going to summarize the incident over here, that there was a particular tribe in Arabia, Banu Mustaliq, alright, and they had embraced Islam. And remember that when a person accepts Islam, then they must give zakat also. Right? So there was a, a time that was decided in which the Prophet ﷺ would send an emissary, a person, to the Banu Mustalaq in order to collect their zakat and to distribute it amongst their poor. Alright? So what happened? The Banu Mustalaq, they were expecting the Prophet ﷺ's emissary. And the Prophet ﷺ sent a man by the name of Walid bin Uqba. 
Alright? Now Walid bin Uqba, he was on his way to the Banu Mustalaq. And this whole process, it got a bit delayed. So the chief of Banu Mustalaq, he got worried that why isn't the messenger of the Prophet ﷺ coming? What's happening? What's going on? So he was afraid that maybe the Prophet ﷺ is upset with us, maybe something happened. So he sent a group of his people to Medina to find out what was happening. So remember that in Arabia when you travel, you travel with what? With weapons, especially I mean, at that time. All right. So when you travel, you had to take weapons with you because it wasn't safe. So this group of people that left from Banu Mustalaq was on their way to Medina, was armed with weapons. All right. Now this man, Walid bin Uqba, as he's approaching, what does he see? He sees a group of Banu Mustalaq approaching, armed with weapons. So he got scared. He thought, there's something wrong over here. And so he ran back to Medina, and he told the Prophet ﷺ, that I think these people have left Islam, and they are coming to attack us. They were going to kill me. So I came back. Now what happened, as the Prophet ﷺ is discussing the problem with the companions, according to some reports, the Prophet ﷺ sent a group of companions to find out, to investigate. And according to some other reports, we learned that this group of Banu Mustalaq finally reached Medina. And they're saying, what's going on? And then the Prophet ﷺ confronted them and asked them that you were coming to fight my emissary, what was happening? They said, no, we never saw him. We were waiting in fact. We were waiting for so long, we were coming to look for him. Now, imagine what had happened if the Prophet ﷺ immediately took action and sent a group of his armed companions to go and fight the Banu Mustalaq. Who would they be fighting against? Who? Muslims, their own people. Isn't it? And wouldn't this lead to a lot of regret later on? A lot. So this ayah teaches us a very important lesson. That before taking action, investigate, find out. Do not act on impulse. Before taking action on a report that has been given to you, do your own research. Double check, investigate. Especially when that action is serious like fighting someone or punishing someone or getting upset with someone, firing someone, removing somebody's marks or canceling somebody's homework or their assignment or whatever it may be, depending on the position that a person is in, before taking any serious action, investigate. Now, does this mean that we cannot trust anybody's news or information? We can. Remember what I mentioned earlier, there are people who are trustworthy, right? And then there are people who don't really have that great of a reputation. It is said that this particular person, Walid bin Uqba, I mean, he's considered to be one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. After all, he was a Muslim. All right? He did have his struggles. He did have his struggles. There is a report in Sahih Muslim which shows us that later on, he actually had alcohol and he was leading the Muslims in prayer. And instead of performing two rak'ah, he actually performed four rak'ah. Because he was intoxicated. Alright? And so he was punished by Ali radiallahu anhu. I mean, he had his struggles. And in our communities, we always have people who are strong in their faith and there are others who are weak in their faith. Right? There are people who are known for their truthfulness and there are other people who have their weaknesses. Isn't it? So, you see, our problem is that we begin to look at things as just black and white. Right? That it's just right or wrong. 
Right? So if a person is a Muslim, then they're a perfect Muslim. And if they're not a perfect Muslim, then they must be a non-Muslim. No, that's not true. There are people who are Muslim, but they have their weaknesses. So if a person like that, who doesn't really have a great reputation, fasik, the word has been used over here, they bring you some information. Before taking action, what should you do? Investigate. And you know what? Sometimes, even people who have a good reputation, they bring you some information. But before taking action, you must investigate. Like for instance, we learn that once a young companion, a little boy, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he told him that some people were making fun of you. The munafiqeen were making fun of you. Now before taking any action against the munafiqeen, based on the report of that one boy, the Prophet ﷺ, he verified the information. He verified. He investigated. Because the thing is that we're human beings. Isn't it? We have our biases. Don't we? If we truly ask ourselves, are we 100% fair in how we think about people, in how we treat them? We have our biases. Just because we had a bitter experience with someone before, in the past, we don't necessarily view them very positively anymore. And for some reason, every time we see them doing something, we look at the negative side. Isn't it? So even the most well-intentioned people have their biases. We're all human beings. So before taking action, always find out the other side of the story. Always. Sometimes what happens is that one child comes and complains to the mother. Right? That so-and-so hit me. Or so-and-so took my toy away. Well, before getting upset at the other child, find out what happened. What did you do to him that he did this to you? Isn't it? Likewise, between a husband and a wife. I mean, there are problems. The husband goes and complains to a sheikh. And the sheikh says, well, your wife is like this and like this. You should immediately divorce her. No. Find out what happened. What does she have to say? Right? What is the whole story? Find out the other side of the story. So this is something very important that we learn from this ayah. Because when we are in a position of authority, when we have to take an action, then we must be neutral. And in order to be neutral, we cannot just hear one side of the story. We also have to find out the other side. Correct? So this is the first thing we learn. The Prophet ﷺ said that, الْأَنَاثُ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَالْعُجْلَةُ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ Calmness is from Allah and hastiness is from who? From shaitan. So what happens is that somebody comes and tells us, we get immediately angry, we act on impulse. Who are we following? Shaitan. Calm down. Take in the information, okay, find out, investigate, and then think about it, and then take action. Another thing that we learn from this ayah is that do not believe everything you hear. Before you form an opinion about someone or something, investigate. Is it true? Somebody says to us, oh, this is in the hadith, this is in the Quran. Really? So and so said this. Really? Find out. Investigate. Another important thing we learn from this ayah is that do not pass on everything you hear. Because part of acting upon what you have heard is believing in it and passing it on. Remember that only the word of Allah and the word of the Messenger ﷺ is worthy of being accepted as it is. Anyone else's statement, anyone else's you know, words, 
they are worthy of being checked. They are worthy of being reviewed. They are worthy of being investigated, of being looked into. Right? In Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 36, Allah says, وَلَا تَقْفُ مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُؤَادَ كُلُّ أُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا Do not pursue that which you have no knowledge of. Meaning just because you heard it, don't go on passing it around. Just because someone forwarded that to you, that long text that you yourself did not read, don't pass it on. Right? Don't do that. Be careful. Another important thing we learn from this ayah is that we should be careful about spreading false information. Because you see, Walid bin Uqba over here, what happened? He saw those people approaching and he just assumed that they're coming to kill me. Isn't it? He formed an assumption, a wrong assumption. Isn't it? And then he didn't just form that assumption, he went and he told the Prophet ﷺ, kind of blew it out of proportion. Correct? So this is something that we have to be careful about also, that do not tattletale or gossip or spread false information or lies. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يدخل الجنة قتات A قتات will not enter Jannah. Who is قتات? A person who spreads tales. Going from one person to another, he said this, she said that, he's doing this, I think she thinks like that about you, I think he's gonna do this. He said, she said, this is what? This is a waste of time. And this is something that leads to a lot of moral ills. We also learned that the Prophet ﷺ once passed by two graves and he said that the people inside are being punished. For what? One of them was being punished for what? For spreading gossip, false information. I think we should also be careful of our prejudices and recognize them and be wary of them when we're judging situations. Yes, very true. That how so easily we stereotype people based on their color, based on their work, right? based on how they're dressed, and then we don't engage with them in a respectful way. right? So this is something that is problematic. And we see how this is really becoming seriously problematic today how people are being you know criminalized basically for crimes that they haven't committed i mean lives are being lost so be careful about that also remember the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the best of you are those who when seen are a means of remembering allah and the worst of you are those who go about with with what with namima what is namima he said this about you she said this about you false tales Those who cause discord between friends and seek flaws in the innocent. Such people are the worst people. Another important lesson we learn from this incident, from this ayah, is that whenever something appears to be ambiguous, let's seek clarity before forming an opinion. Right? And before taking action. So if something appears to be ambiguous, let us seek clarity. We learned that once the Prophet ﷺ was visiting one of his wives. He was going to one of the hujrat. And as he was going in, a man came out. And he didn't really recognize that man. And he asked his wife, that who's that man? She said that he is my brother from fosterhood. Alright? Because remember that at that time, a nursing woman would nurse like many children. It wasn't a problem. Alright, so so many people were brothers and sisters through fosterhood. And remember that, that is considered as 
real brotherhood and sister meaning you know a boy and a girl who have been nursed by the same woman cannot get married they are like mahram to each other right so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked her you see he did not get angry can you imagine something like this happening today a man going to his house and he knows that only his wife is inside and there's another man that walks out what would he assume what would he think just think about that let's reverse it okay imagine a woman seeing her husband right talking to another woman and immediately she gets upset who's she why are you talking to her why are we forming such assumptions let us seek clarity right so whenever something appears to be ambiguous any phrase any action seek clarity another important thing is husnuzan let us think positively about people assume good of others assume good of situations don't always read into things and events negatively may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all good akhlaq good adab appropriate adab let's listen to the recitation of these verses ഫലത്തു നദിമീ 